0: What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Going back into our lesson on data processing. Data or data, however you pronounce it, processing. Lift your Bibles with me. Let's make our declaration. Then we'll take off for a little while here. Repeat after me This book of the law, this book of the law shall, not shall not depart out of my mouth, of my mouth but I will meditate therein day and night. I will observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then my way shall be prosperous and then I will have good success. Tell somebody I'm getting ready to be blessed. You may take your seats. Data processing. Interesting text. Um, we have um, set a good foundation, I believe, um, by what we have opened up with a couple of Wednesdays ago, a couple of weeks ago shared with you that our purpose of this lesson is um, related to decision-making, understanding that decision-making is critical to the action that will be taken. Um, as we looked at this uh, lesson, I just want to just kind of take about maybe a minute again to just kind of pull us in again, to just to start thinking again that uh, it is important that we have the right responses to the things that we're facing. The things that we're facing either directly or the things that we're facing by way of hearing, reading. It's important that we have the right response. Now, I'm talking to believers now. It's important that we have the right response. One of the things that I want is I want to be able to have um, a foster or build a congregation where we have the mind of Christ we have the love of God and we have the power of God to represent him well I want that badly I want to see people healed I want to see people unhooked from stuff. You know I want to see people really really delivered you know I want the joy of the Lord really to be the strength of God's people. Happiness is relative in the sense that when you look at it from one natural aspect happiness is based upon what is happening. I'm happy If things are going well, but if things are not going well, then I am not happy. That's based upon the natural understanding of happiness. But true happiness is born out of the joy of the Lord. Amen. True happiness, biblical happiness really has to do with being empowered. Really have to do with being empowered. The Bible says, blessed is the man who, well, translation of that is happy is the man who when you see the beatitudes mm-hmm. it's really talking about those who are blessed is really talking about those who are, are empowered or happy or those who are blessed or empowered and it should not be <coughs> that my happiness is <coughs> is um, subject to what's happening amen you may not like there's some some certain things you may not like that don't feel good. You know what I mean? But you can't relegate your whole life being unhappy. Because you don't like something. Amen. So <clears throat> you know, it's my desire to see the people of God filled with joy and happy, if you will, from that perspective that I just kinda laid out there. Amen. That sounds like rain, is it so? All right, we're going to keep flowing. Thank God for the rain. Hallelujah. Happy for the rain. Amen. Um, that's my desire. I want to see the people of God enjoying their life. Really, really enjoying life. It's, it, it, can't, it, it shouldn't be a drudge or it shouldn't be just so hard. So hard being saved, man. Just hard. That is such a bad testimony and witness of our God. It is such a bad witness. Not when we hear, he has provided us with everything we need. You know, you know, it is the will of God. I think John told us this, that uh, it is the will and wish of God that none of us would make any errors at all in life. That none of us would would fault, none of us would err, that none of us would make any mistakes, none of us would miss the mark, none of us would sin, but that we'd all be right on target. But uh, the good thing about that is because we are being perfected, we're better than we used to be, but we're not perfect yet, but we're being perfected. We serve the perfect one, so in him we are perfect. But in this flesh, we still have to deal with the elements of the sin-cursed world. Y'all with me? So then if there is a a time where (coughs) while skipping, we trip, we fall. Bible says, and John said this, that we have an advocate with the Father. Who's his name? What's his name? Jesus, the righteous. We have an advocate. So we have one who pleads our case or our case has been already pled actually and responded and God when God looks at a believer who has had a spill he looks at us through the blood of Jesus so he sees us he sees us in perfection through Christ somebody I'll be happy about that I mean, some of y'all trying to figure that out, all that. Ain't no need to figure that out. That's just so, you need to be running around right now thanking the Lord for that. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ought to be running and happy about that. I know some of y'all still trying to figure that out theologically. It's correct. Okay? So we don't, we don't sit here and preach uh, a message that, you know, fall, just mess up. You're going to be all right. No, 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 get on point. And Stop playing. My thing is, along the way, if you are ensnared or if you make a bad choice or something does happen and you do fall, just just understand this. You have Jesus Christ, the righteous, as your advocate who's pleading your case. In fact, your case has already been pled and has already been won. You have already been acquitted. So the guilt of that doesn't live with you. You don't have to live with that. Hallelujah. So now, with that in mind, what responses are we going to have in a sin-cursed world? And that's what I'm really, really trying to dig into to make sure that we have right responses as believers. WWJD, y'all remember that? What would Jesus do? We had the wristbands. Some of y'all still got wristbands and you got, you got stuff hanging still. It's just old jewelry. Y'all was talking about that? this old jewelry many people don't wear it no more but you still got it hanging up on your dresser on the, on the side there um, but we want to we want to respond the way the Lord would wouldn't that be good be good so that's what I'm really digging after tonight to make sure that we are people who are not so religious that we become judgmental you know, and don't know how to love. Amen. Never know. Some some of us in this room right now, everybody in this room did not have a sinless day. Percentages say that somebody messed up in here today. Amen. Yeah, the percentages say. That somebody messed up and blew it today. In this room. Not just those who didn't come feeling guilty. Talking about those who are in here. And it's the responsibility of the people of God to demonstrate the Lord to the people. Because if you find out information, now what you going to do with it? And if I read the scripture right, as Paul is is working on these Galatians, he said, you've not so learned Christ. You wasn't taught that. Not in him. We don't do that here. In this new and living way, we don't, that's not how we respond. We understand that when discipline comes, let me just go ahead and chase this a little bit here. We understand that when discipline comes in the house of God, first of all, we understand that God loves. He chastens those whom he loves. So now, if there is discipline that has to happen to a believer, then it's God's love in action. Can, can, y'all, can y'all get with that? It's God's love in action to help us, to rescue us. Because if he didn't love us nor cared for us, then he would let us, he would just continue to let us go on and just make a big fool of ourselves. But he loves us so until he disciplines us. And those who despise the chastening of the Lord, he said, you don't even belong to me. I'm not your father. Somebody else is. You are illegitimate. Right? So that's an act of God's love. Amen. So God doesn't discipline us to destroy us. He might break our legs, but our legs are not broken to kill us. And just kind of follow me on this here. I want us, if, if we get it right in here, we can get it right out there. Who wants to come to a church representing Christ who is so stuck and steeped in religion that there is no room for improvement. It's unfortunate that we've conveyed such a message. Our our Pharisaic attitude has conveyed such a message in society until people, when you talk to them about Christ, many of them know that that's the right way to live, but they're not gonna come in yet because they don't want to be a hypocrite. Uh-huh. That translates they don't want they want to get in and be serious and in their mind be perfect. We have fostered that. We have set such such a club up until people can't come into the club. They can't get in the club. Because coming in means you got to be right. You got to be perfect when you come in here. So I ain't that yet, so I'm not going to be saved right now. I still got problems. I don't know if y'all have ever talked to anybody and they told you that, but people have told me I still got issues. I can't come in there yet. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I see many of them. They tell you. They'll tell you that. And we have fostered that. Us religious-minded, Pharisaic-minded folks in the church, with all of these rules and regs, we have kept people out. And it seems like the only ones that's going to come in are the ones who are down and out in New York City, experiencing a rainy night in Georgia. Like this is their last option in life. We're going to see what happens. How come, how come people can't just come in here and just want life change (laughs) because everybody watch this now, everybody in the world ain't struggling (laughs) everybody's not coming to this reaching their bottom before they come to the Lord, everybody ain't trying to reach everybody ain't going to reach no bottom some people need to be at the top of their game in the world and come in the house of God and make a change Trump know he need to be saved. I've never heard of a man that can make money like that man can make money. The man can make money. He will file bankruptcy as a strategy and use it to his benefit. <laughs> Preserve his finances. Have other people making money for him. But anyway, he need to be in the kingdom. Okay, so this, this, this lesson that we're in is, is so important to having right responses to the data that's all around us. Everything's talking around us, everything. Everything's talking, having, making sounds, movements happening, things are happening. In the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ. What shall we say, 831, to these things? Took more than 60 seconds. That's wrong. Now, let's go back. Ephesians 4, watch this. We've looked at 17. I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So we said that that was number one, a point that we had to deal with, understanding the vanity of their mind. Y'all remember that? Then we moved on. Verse 18. We start dealing with having the understanding darkened. We started dealing with that. Talking about prevailing ignorance. How that prevailing ignorance fosters a blind future. You remember that? We say being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. So let me just kind of, (coughs) excuse me, pick it up, pick it up (coughs) right from there. Well, we left off last week. I'm sorry, I can't go into everything that I talked about last week. But let me just pick it up right in the middle of verse number 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Through ignorance, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, as we talked about <clears throat> understanding darkened, I have been on and I began to talk about being alienated from the life of God. And as I talked about that, I talked about being estranged, if you will. Being estranged. And as we dealt with it further, we looked, in that, looked into it and we saw and discovered that the life of God really dealt with holiness. That God's lifestyle is a lifestyle of holiness. So now Paul is telling these Galatian believers that they are no longer who they used to be. They now have a covenant with God. So now having a covenant with God means that there has to be a life change. And the biggest life change for them will be in their mind. Verse 23, being renewed in the spirit of their mind. So we're getting there. What we're doing now is seeing how Paul has to remind them by showing them the contrast of two lifestyles. He says now, you're no longer what you used to be, so now you don't operate in the vanity of your mind. You're no longer who you used to be, so no longer are you darkened in your understanding. Because to be darkened in your understanding is, is, is to speak of the ignorance. But you have the light that now has come in and shined in now. You're not in an ignorant place. He's talking about that. He's showing them the contrast." Now, watch this. As he's showing them the contrast and the distinctions in the two lifestyles, he has to work on them because they were steeped in who they were. Their culture was what it was. So now he has to work on them and try to get them unset from one mindset to another mindset. Okay. Now. The life of God, (coughs) they were alienated from the life of God before, and the life of God is in true holiness, of which we said was purity, which was righteousness, truth, and goodness. Okay, now, and they're estranged from that type of a life, they were estranged from that type of a lifestyle. Now, here's the last thing I want to deal with, and then we'll go to 19, and that is that ignorance is destructive to godliness. Ignorance is destructive to godliness. Godliness simply is godlikeness. Godlike. Ignorance is destructive to being like God. And when one is in ignorance, their destructive behavior fosters false religion. That you can get established in erroneous thinking. And religion simply is man's quest for God. Man's quest or man's search for God. It is some system that is put in place to help man somehow make a connection with God. We call it religion. And religion, every religion is not spiritual or spirit led. Because religion is just a systematic way of someone's approach to what they call God or godliness. And ignorance, ignorance is destructive, causing. This uprising of this false religion. In essence, because I got to move in essence, verse 18 really is talking about having a dulled perception. Everyone's perception is their truth. (laughs) Everybody's perception is their truth. What you you see in front of you, you believe what you see. Why? Because that's what you see. People instinctively, humans instinctively, they believe that one and one is two. They believe instinctively that if there's a cause, then there's an effect. One and one is two. Two and two is four. And logically, people do that and they come up with their answer, their resolve. And based upon their resolve, that is what it is. So what they have perceived becomes their truth. And then when you tell them that one and one is not two, they tell you you're not telling me the truth. Because they didn't want to show you. Let me show you. See this? See that? It's got to equal that. But then I'll say, well, who says this thing is addition? Why can't it be multiplication? Why can't it be one times one? Because one times one is what? What? One. So how come it got to be two? How come what you're looking at has to be addition? What I'm looking at is is, is multiplication. My only point is, everyone's perception is their truth. But here's what I say to that. Everyone's perception doesn't mean it is the truth. So there are a lot of false religions that have popped up. Out of people's, watch this now, out of people's innocence motives. Innocence motives. Say that right. Trying to get this tongue working tonight. Out of people's innocent motive. How about that one? Okay. Ah, now, let me travel ahead just a bit. Go to Romans chapter 9. I was sharing, I was trying to pull this scripture up when I was sharing in, in, in the uh, MTI class uh, dealing with character. And I was trying to <laughs> pull up this scripture, and I couldn't, I couldn't call it right. I had everybody go, I think we went to 1 Corinthians 9, looking for it. But, uh, and I couldn't call it right because I wanted to deal with conscience. And I couldn't call it right that particular night. I said, I'll get back to you on it. Some of y'all remember that was in class. About a month or so ago, remember I was talking about that? It's Romans nine. Hallelujah! (laughs) Look at what it says in Romans nine. Keep on, keep on the burner. What I'm just talking about now, (coughs) about perception. Paul says in Romans chapter nine, verse one, King James version. First, I say the truth in Christ. (laughs) I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Y'all see that? Look at what the Amplified says. I am speaking the truth in Christ, Paul says. He says, I am not lying. He says, my conscience. Now watch this. He says, my conscience, and then in brackets, It says, enlightened and prompted by the Holy Spirit bearing witness with me. Now, I wanted to bring that here because this will help us to transition in those two words I told you about last week, debauchery, right, and seared, okay? (coughs) I bring this because I'm talking about perception now. People's perception is their truth, but it's not always the truth. Paul says in, 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 in 9 and 1, King James Version, he says now, my conscience, I tell you the truth, he says, I lie not, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. The Amplified that brings it out, amplifying it, he says, my conscience, and then he says, enlightened and prompted by the Holy Ghost. Now, <coughs> let your conscience be your guide is not always a good statement. We have lived by that. How many of y'all heard that before? Let your conscience be your guide. Now, I get that, but many times, if you have an unrenewed mind, and the Holy Spirit, oh my God, is not flowing through you, then your mind is not enlightened, nor is it prompted by the Holy Ghost, which means your conscience is as good a guide as it has been set up or shaped. Okay? Watch this now. Here we go. Some of y'all remember this. So hear it again for the first time. Others of you catch it for the first time. Our conscience is shaped by four factors. Our conscience is shaped by four factors. Number one, repetitious information. Number two, the environment that you grew up in or live in. Number three, credible people. And number four, experiences. Again, our conscience is shaped by four factors. Number 1, repetitious information. What I hear over and over and over again. Number 2, is shaped by <coughs> excuse me. The environment that I grew up in or live in. I said live because perhaps now. Number 3, credible people, and number four, experiences, life experiences. Now, just imagine living life without God, and these are the four factors that shape our conscience. Our conscience is the seat of our belief. Our conscience is the decision-making part of my mind. Because based upon what's in my conscience, my belief system, I will make a decision and live my life by. And just imagine not having God in your life, and these are the four factors that still shape how I believe. So then now, watch this now. What I hear over and over and over and over again, is established now in my belief system. So if I hear something over and over and over again, I have this tendency, this inclination to believe that that's the truth. Where did I get my perception from? I got it because I don't, I don't have God prompting me and I don't have an enlightened mind. I got it from what I have heard over and over again, outside of God. So my perception is now shaped. Number two, the environment that I grew up in, what I where I grew up at, the environment that I grew up in spoke to me, helped to shape me, helped to massage me and mold me. So wherever I was in the environment, it was that culture. It was that culture that I adapted to. It's that culture. So if I come out walking a certain way, if I come out saying certain words, you can tell what community I came out of. If I start processing, you can tell what street. Stowe Village, Washington Village, Colonial Village. I just mixed Hartford and Norwalk together just now. Don't worry about the other villages. Hallelujah. Yeah, the environment. I don't want to swear, but that's the culture. That's That's what we do over here to get our point across. That makes me in the colors that I'm wearing. Okay? Y'all with me? The tone that I take when I talk. Everybody say the culture. It shapes how I believe. It shapes my perception. Now just imagine living in that type of environment without God. You see how that can that can you see how that can shape how you believe? Number three, credible people. Whoever, okay, let's take it to the house. Okay. Our society today predominantly is a fatherless society. So, with that in mind, I'm not saying that fathers that, that all fathers are, are are not in the home. I'm just saying that the majority of the fathers are not in the home with their with their spouses and their children. Okay. Not a knock nor a judge. I'm just pointing out. Dogs and dogs said, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a group. They had a song out, so I'm just saying. Saying. <laughs> now, it is now the mother who raises the children. And if you see that a lot in the home, here's what happens now. I, there are mothers who walk around now who, who have brought up their children, raised their children, raise, you raise cattle. who have have trained their children, brought their children up. That's just being technical, right? And they have taken on the role as the, number one, head of the household. And I've heard some mothers say, I'm the mother and the father. It's not true. Because there's no grace of a father on a mother. Now, you can debate that, but that's okay. You am who you am. So now, we have mothers who have raised their children or or brought up their children now, right? And our society is such now that uh, 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 they're the credible voices in society. Now, then you have a man who is in his place, in his position, on his post. Either he started that way or he got on track. And got that way. Now he has to now fight. To take the role. That he was born. To walk in. Right. Now just think now. I'm just, I'm just kind of. I just brought that. But there are other scenarios. That's what. That's. We're, that's, that's what we're living in, okay? Those are the credible voices, right? Now watch this. Policemen are credible voices. Why did I say credible? Because they're known. They have been made to, be, to make themselves known. Teachers. Oh, teachers. Oh, come on. Teachers, teachers. In our school system, there's, there is so much now being allowed in. There is a world, let me say this right now, there is a worldview through philosophy and anthropology that comes in now. And now, our teachers who are credible individuals, you know what I mean? Because they have been given voice and authority to teach and to train. They now shape the lies and the thought processes, oh my Lord, of students. Am I I right? Yes. Yeah, you know too. Now, so when they come out of school, they carry the thoughts that they've been taught. And now their perception on life has been based upon that information and without God, Y'all with me? Preachers. Credible. Preachers stand declaring the gospel. It is no time. No time to play with this with people in delivering it nor living it because what they hear, what people hear and what they see They mimic and they embrace for their belief system. This is how it is as a Christian. So when you have people who feel called to the ministry, they point to whoever taught them. Y'all with me? I'm just kind of bringing up what shapes our belief system, the way we believe in our conscience. Still with me? The fourth thing is what? Experiences. Experiences. Again, it shapes how we believe. Okay? If you see someone else not doing good in life, and you have your eyes fixed on them, then you get a view that life is hard. Without God? Okay, y'all with me, right? Now, let's dig. Look at verse 19. Go back to Ephesians 4. <coughs> Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Can I deal with that real quick? Everybody say debauchery. Debauchery. Everybody say seared. Seared. Now, as I'm talking about conscience here, (coughs) talking about conscience, I'm talking about our seat of belief, my decision-making maker. Okay. Paul is telling these Born again Gentiles about how they used to be before they were born again. He's warning them that you are born again now. Your behavior is not like you used to be. He points out here in 19, (coughs) excuse me, who being past feeling. That phrase connects it now. To this debaucherous, seared conscience. Debauchery deals with this excessive, immoral indulgence in sensual pleasures. Everybody say, excessive. Paul is getting after something here. He's talking about this excessive, immoral, indulgence in sensual pleasures. Debauchery. Okay, I'm going to keep building this real quick. When he deals with seared When I say seared, because that's a part of this, it's talking about, of course we know, we heard the scripture and we saw the scripture, seared with a hot iron. When when everybody thinks in terms of seared, they think about, you know, seared, you know, with with a hot iron, you know, just scorched, like over the top. And then you think about food, right? Searing, in the scriptural context, deals with, Being dried up, withered, now watch this now, to be calloused or unfeeling, seared, to be calloused and unfeeling. It is similar to leprosy. When a person is leprous or has leprosy, it is a degenerating disease that attacks your ability, your sense to feel. Once it attacks that sense of feeling, your arm could be on fire. And you not know it because you have no sense, no feeling in that arm. It is like going to the dentist. Please don't give a sigh. I know how you feel about dentists. But it's like going to the dentist and instead of them putting you to sleep, they take the needle. They go in that little, that that corner in your mouth. And they put Novocaine. And while it's going in, you feel the sting and the pinch and your legs are trying to move. And you're holding on tightly. Then they pull out the needle. And you're sitting there and all of a sudden, the stuff starts going to sleep. It goes, you lose feeling in it. You can bite your lip off and not know it. Because you've lost feeling in there. So the seared conscious is this unfeeling callousness. The danger of these two things, debauchery, this, this whole excessive immoral. And even with debauchery, it deals with this whole, whole thing about intemperance. It's the opposite of being temperate. Temperate is self-control. Dealing in debauchery is this intemperance, which means that you have no self-control. Okay. So Paul says, before you were born again, your behavior was so out of order that you were stuck in this excessive, immoral behavior. This sensual Behavior where you were out of control, you couldn't stop yourself. Further down, when he talks about greediness and lasciviousness, what he is saying is is that your conscience was so dead, out of control, out of order. Until not only were you excessive in your immoral behavior, in your sensuality, you were greedy and lascivious, which means you were very sexual, and, and it increased, oh my God, let me say, Lord, Lord help me say this right. It increased to the point where it got to be lewd, and you start creating nastiness. In other words, it may have started off one way, but you couldn't stop yourself. You were greedy, sensual, and it turned into something else, and it kept getting weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder. weirder. Yeah. Paul says you were so out of control. You couldn't feel yourself going out of control. But you were there, and everything you were doing, you thought you were all right, thinking it was going to bring you to a better place. It was called deceitful lust. Deceitful lust is the lust that fools you, making you think that you're feeling good. But all along, it's corrupting you and destroying you on the inside. I'm just giving the overview now because I've got I to rush. <coughs> But this deceitful lust is corrosion that continues to travel through your systems, in your body, in your life. You think the more you get, the better you feel. not understanding that by the time this thing gets done with you, you're going to be raggedy without anything. You know, you're going to be a mess in life. Paul says, you have been rescued from that. Yeah. 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 That's deceitful lust. Deceitful lust is tricking you in the thinking that this is real good for me. Y'all still with me? Now, can I take it one more? Yeah, one more place. Okay. This debauchery. This intemperance. This excessive uh, sensuality, immoral sensuality. With a seared conscience. Unfeeling, dead, but your greedy, lasciviousness self, lascivious self. That's just better, right there, that's better. Okay. Don't realize. That you're out of control and under the control of another. Paul is raising up the idea that your past behavior that, was, that, that, that you lived in based upon your culture and who you, however you came up. You were doing the things that you felt good about doing or just wanted to do without thinking and without feeling. You didn't realize that you were under the dominance or dominion of sin. Dominion. Everybody write that word, dominion. Because that's what Paul is telling them, that you were dominated by sin before you got saved. Your behavior is not like that anymore. Your behavior came up the way it was based upon the things around you, your environment, what you kept hearing over and over again, credible people, experiences. You learned that there outside of Christ. So your perception was based upon an unenlightened mind. You rationalize it one and one. But you're rationalizing it from an unenlightened mind. Paul says, I tell you the truth and I lie not. My conscience bear me witness. And he said, the conscience is my enlightened mind by the Holy Ghost. My God. Okay. Everybody say dominion. Everybody say dominance. Sin dominated. And the thing about that old life, and, and this is, let me, and I got to say this now. The thing about the old life or the old man, we're going to look at him probably next week, is that when we choose as believers, not, not even an unbeliever, just as believers, when we choose to live like the old man, mm-hmm. <coughs> here's what we do. We resurrect a lifestyle. We resurrect a lifestyle. We resurrect an old condemned thought process. And as a believer who has resurrected an old condemned thought process, we now run the risk now of the dominance of sin. Now I need y'all to kind of hear me now. We allow sin, which should have no more dominion over us because of what Christ did on the cross. If we deny what Christ did on the cross and resurrect the old man, We resurrect a old behavior, a condemned one. And you can be a saved person living like a condemned person. Pastor, I don't believe a a saint can be lascivious. Now, are you talking about saint in its purest form and action? Or are you talking about saint in its title? a person who is born again who has not a renewed mind can begin to act out old behavior. Come on, y'all. And when that thing is loose, it has a corrupt, corrosive nature until it starts destroying our lives. Please don't be a believer who has a seared conscience. Yes, recovery, you can come back from it, but my God, how many accidents have you had along the way? Y'all with me? Keep that word dominion in your mind. Because when we go further and we pick up verse 20, 21, and 22, we're going to see what Christ-likeness looks like. And then we're going to see how to stop an old pattern. Because if dominion is now an operative word, we now have to regain dominion. Because if dominion is over us, this whole sin thing is now trying to reign over us again because we've allowed it to then we have to regain dominion. But before you can gain regain dominion, you got to catch the thief. Okay, all right, okay, all right, all right, all right. I'll right. All right. All right. let it out of the bag, i am let out of the bag. In order to subdue a thing, you got to catch the thing. So we have to subdue. In other words, my behavior, because it's taken off the old man, Because it's taken off and it's getting worse and worse and worse, which means it's got ahead of me. I now got to catch it and subdue it now. So I can take off the old man. I'm already in it. I got to take off the old man. I got to put him off. But I can't put him off till I catch him. Okay. Okay, we'll work with it, we'll work with it, but I got to catch him first so I can put him off, because once I catch him, then I can dead him. Mortify. All right, that's going to be another word. All right, so we're going to stop right there. We're going to stop there. Okay, we're going to keep traveling down this road, because Paul gives us insight on an old behavior. Of a believer. And he's showing us contrast. That no matter where we grew up at. Uh What the conditions were. Whether we were in the suburbs. Or whether we were just in an urban area. It doesn't matter. Once we're born again. Come on. And we start renewing the mind. That's what happens now. The Holy Ghost. Begins to enlighten me. Come on. And he prompts me. If I have a seared conscience, a prompting I will not feel. You don't feel a prompting if you have no feeling. Does that make sense? If you have no feeling, can you feel a nudge? If ain't no feeling, can you feel a pat? You can't can't feel a nudge. So you can't experience a prompting of direction if you have no feelings. So we got to deal with that. Paul is trying to teach them and show them, hey, you're different. You're different. So be different. And the difference is, be renewed in the spirit of your mind because when you're renewed in the spirit of your mind, come on, you know what to say Uh to these things. Because I'm trying to tell you, the things that are out here that are negative Are out there to try to bring you back down. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to bring you back. Trying to put you in an old mindset. To make us think negative again. If you can get me to think negative again, I will short circuit my own success. I will sabotage my own destiny. Stand y'all, stand before I keep I say too much. Thank you, Jesus. My my God. I will sabotage my own increase. Just imagine the wealth that's supposed to already be in this room right now. Don't tell nobody, but just take a second. I'm not going to let you stay there long, but just take a second and begin to think about what you did to sabotage something in your life. You, something was, come on, let's go there. I'm going I'm to bring you out. I'm not going to let you stay there, but I need you to go there. Go there for a few. Go ahead. Go cu- travel. A couple seconds. I know you're scared, okay, because the only reason why I'm having you look at it is because if you're still in that behavior, we got to get out of it. There's a consciousness now that has been brought to the floor. Okay, y'all had 20 seconds of looking at it. Some of y'all didn't even look. Okay, your time is over. We're not going to spend much time there. Okay? I just want us to understand that we can sabotage our own success. And that's only because we haven't been renewed in the spirit of our mind concerning a matter. Thank you, Jesus. So let's just go ahead and surrender it all to God. Lift those hands. Surrender it all. Surrender it all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's a simple lesson. We're just digging it out. That's all. We're just digging it out. I'm trying to get you to dislike and hate your old man so much that you will stay as far away from that graveyard as possible. Not because you're afraid of it. Just because that's where you don't live. You don't live there. You don't live there. That's not who you are. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but you don't need to drop no flowers off on that one. Hallelujah. 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 If God... (coughs) has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west hallelujah he don't go to visit him I ain't either hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah hallelujah now just go ahead and, and pull in the victory in your life come on pull in the victory come on just declare that you're a good thinker you're a good decision maker I know what to say to these things. Come on, come on, go ahead. Give yourself permission to declare the will of God over your life. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not talking to your your old man. I'm talking to the new man. Hallelujah. I'm talking to the renewed person in you. The one that has been regenerated. I'm talking to you now. Hallelujah. Give yourself permission to live it. Hallelujah. I'm a good decision maker. I make the best decisions in every situation. My mind is enlightened and prompted by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I tell the truth and I lie not. Holy Ghost bearing witness in my conscience. Conscience enlightened. Hallelujah. Prompted, prompted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I got born again, my life began to heal. When I got born again, things began to change in my life. When I got born again, hallelujah, Jesus came to live his life inside of me. And what I could not feel before, I feel now because Jesus is feeling it through me. Hallelujah. And when I lost my sense, when I lost my mind, when I was crazy, I now have Christ in my life now who's restoring my life and re- restoring my mind and bringing back the compassion again. Hallelujah. 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 I make good choices in life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know how to process data. I know what to do with this. I know what to do with this. I know what to do with that. I know what to do with that. I know how to handle that phone call. I know how to handle that person. I know how to handle that bit of news. I know how to handle this headache. I know how to handle this backache. I know what to do. Hallelujah. I need a job. I know what to do. Need some money. I know what to do. I need a seed. I know what to do. Hallelujah. 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 I love being unmarried and single. I know what to do. I want to be married. I know what to do. Hallelujah. I know what to say. I know how to behave. I know how to handle myself. I know what to do with that data that's coming up on the inside of me. I know what to do with it. Thank you, Jesus. I know how to navigate murky waters. Hallelujah. When the winds blow, I know what to say to it. When the waves start getting in the boat, I know what to say to it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Somebody lying on me, but that's okay. I know what to say. I know how to handle that data. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Got the grace of God on me. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we bless you tonight and we thank you. We know what to say to these things. Mm, 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 mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for putting those two doors in front of us death and life. You said choose life. Ain't no problem. I know how to make a decision. Thank you, Jesus. I know the right opportunity when I see it. Thank you, Jesus. I know what direction to go in. Thank you. I'm at a crossroads, but I know what to do. My eyes are on you, God, and I know you're going to direct me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Know what to do. Never trapped. Never stuck. Come on, y'all. Come on, come on. Never stuck. Thank you, Jesus. Never without an answer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For Lord Jesus, you have become my wisdom. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We declare, God, that we're a people that you've assembled In a place to pour into them. To send them out. We believe, oh God. That this assembly is one that you can trust. One that you can rest on and count on, God. We believe that this people that's here, under the sound of my voice. Are the ones that you're partnering with. To take the gospel to the world. Thank you Jesus. Holy Ghost you have. Hovered over this place. Over this incubator. And you have led people. To come to this incubator. Thank you Jesus. You have caused. birthings, After birth things to come in this incubator thank you Jesus and we know that you're not done yet thank you Jesus we hear the sound just like the prophet the prophet of old heard the sound of the abundance of rain we hear the sound of the abundance of footsteps coming from the north the south the east and the West. Coming. 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 Coming to their set place. Coming. Coming. Hallelujah. They're on their way to Augusta. Thank you, Jesus. They're on their way to Patterson. On their way to Boston. Continue to come in Norwalk. Continuing to come here in Hartford. They're on their way to Chi-Town, Chicago. On their way to Denver. We hear the sound of the abundance of the footsteps. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you now. Glory, 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 glory. For you have called us out of darkness. Into your marvelous light. Thank you, Jesus. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, y'all. If y'all agree with that prayer, agree with the word of God tonight, let's celebrate what he's doing. Amen. Let's celebrate the change that's taking place in us. Hey! Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh. ho. ay, ay, ay. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.